We get to what I think uh, is one of the hardest commands. You shall not murder. If, I don't know if you've been outside recently or ever, but people are tough. Now, one time, I, back in the day, before ProPresenter and online, you had to type out your, if you wanted scriptures up here, you typed them out. You opened your Bible and you, you typed, you shall not murder. And I don't know about you, but I'm not the best uh, typist or even proofreader for that matter. And one time I was preaching on, and it was this scripture, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal. I forgot all of the knots. And I, I don't know if you've looked at it that way, but those are really important to the whole gist of the commands. You shall murder, you shall commit adultery, you shall steal is, are completely different commands. These commands are, are, are calls to a way of living that may seem pretty easy. And yeah, for the most part, there's not a lot of murdering here. And Christians don't ever think, all right, today is the day I'm gonna stop murdering. But then... Jesus gets a hold of commandments. And they're not just about things that, like, I'm not supposed to do. I, I am really good at doing the things, the Bible, uh, not doing the things. See, those knots are important, aren't they? <laughs> I, let's start that sentence again. I am really good at not doing the things the Bible tells me not to do that I don't want to do. If I don't want to do it, and the Bible tells me not to, smooth sailing, isn't it? But there are things that you think, well, the Bible's, I don't know, I mean, that seems difficult. I mean, you turn to Jesus saying, turn the other cheek when you're slapped. And you think, but what if you get slapped hard? And we turn, in, we turn in to the disciples saying, I know you say forgive Jesus, but how many times? And then the disciples say, well, what about seven? Which was a very liberal answer at the time. The conservative answer was three. They say, how about seven? And Jesus says, not, not seven, but... 70 times 7. And some translations say 77 times. And it doesn't matter. That's not Jesus' point. He wasn't saying count to 77 or 490. He was saying keep forgiving. That's when, I don't know if you've experienced this, Jesus starts to meddle. When Jesus gets, looks into my life and, and sees, like I... 
I love the fact that, and I, don't, I don't mean this to brag. I'm not, I'm not proud of this, but I love, deep down, love the fact that there are people out there worse than me. And what a rush it is to look at them and go, oh. with our pearls in hand, say them. And what a waste of time for the kingdom of God to participate in such nonsense. What a waste of our time. If we are to be the kingdom of God, God tells the, his first kingdom of priests, you shall not murder. <laughs> Moses, who has murdered, probably hears this and goes, yeah, 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 that's right. From here on out, correct, okay, we got the command. Forget about that part. But such a simple call is a call to the way the community's supposed to function. You are to value the lives of the people around you. And Jesus does this thing where he says, you've heard it said. Now this is a big deal for a rabbi to say things like you've heard it said. You've heard it said, so on and so forth. Well, I tell you, what he's saying is, I am introducing a new, a new teaching in a way. And for a rabbi to introduce a new teaching is a big deal. But Jesus doubles up on this whenever he says right in, in, early on in Matthew 5, I have not come to abolish law, which was a, a very rabbinic way of saying, I have not come to misinterpret it, but I've come to fulfill it, which was a very rabbinic way of saying, to interpret it properly. And he says in Matthew chapter 5, and we have this on the board as well, he says in Matthew chapter 5 verse 21, you have heard that it was said to the, those of ancient times. You shall not murder. And whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to counsel. And if you say, you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. You can thank the New, New Revised Standard for that translation. So when you're offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go first be reconciled to your brother or sister and then come back and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're on the way to court with him or your accuser may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and the guard will throw you into prison. Truly I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. Jesus starts to meddle in my pride about not murdering. Because he says, 
there is, there is just, there's more to this. If you're going to be the kingdom of God, if we're going to be a kingdom of priests, if this is the kingdom come, then it's not just about valuing life to the point of honoring it and saying, oh, well, now you're alive. You can thank me. But he says, our relationships matter. That it's not just about keeping things alive. It's not just about not killing things. It's about honoring those lives. About letting those lives have a, a value. And I remembered, when I was a kid, I remembered this scripture as saying, if you've got something against somebody and you're at the altar, which is at worship, like if you're worshiping and you've got something against somebody, you go tell, leave your stuff and go tell them. But notice what it says. It does not say that. It does not say that if you've got something against somebody, go, go deal with it before worship. Notice what it says. It says, so, verse 23, so when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother has, or sister has something against you. How many times, like, well, if they're upset with me, they can come talk to me. He's asking the one who is, who, that the person is angry with to initiate reconciliation. God values our reconciliation. Now, if you're angry with someone, should you go talk to them? Yeah. Yeah, there's other, there's other ways to do that. If you, don't, if, if you have a problem with somebody, should you go talk to them? Of course, be a grown-up. But what Jesus is calling us to a deeper understanding of how we function as life together, how we, it's not just about do not take a life, it's do you value the life, the living being that is the community of God? And at the heart of that community is the relationships we share with one another. Jesus, and I, I really do think because the way, the way Jesus unpacks this, it goes from being a command I can achieve every day, I can follow every day, to a command I wrestle with every day. Abby, Sometimes someone gives a uh, communion thought and I'm like, ah, I should just stand up there and say, stand and sing. Um, Abby's one of my favorite people, one of the most thoughtful people I know, and I'm very thankful to know her. And her, when she talked about relationships and loving others over legalism, I'm so glad our generation, because we're, we're about the same age. Uh, I'm glad our generation, I'm glad her generation is realizing that quicker than mine. Oh, what a blessing. 
And those relationships matter. And when we call out relationships mattering, and when we're calling out love being the most important thing, and legalism not being worth it, sometimes we can get accused of going easy, of abandoning Scripture to skip through the, the, the flowered fields. That, that legalism was the tough thing and you're just this floaty love you're calling people to. But what, when Jesus calls people to love, we go from, I can manage not to murder, good for me. And Jesus calls people to love and he says, the way you interact with your brother on a daily basis, whenever you're angry with each other, when you're in, in, in uh, disagreement with each other, when you're frustrated with each other, that matters on a level that some difficult conversations are going to have to happen. The difficult conversations in the eyes of Jesus are, ju are just as much as important to worship as, as the worship itself, as the sacrifice at the altar. That kind of love is so difficult. It is, that kind of love is almost impossible to obtain. So we're not abandoning, when we abandon legalism, we're not abandoning a difficult thing for an easy thing. We're, we're abandoning something. Legalism is difficult to explain. And therefore, when I get to explain it to you, when I'm like, well, you, get to, you start here, and then if you look at that passage and then couple it with this one over here, you will notice that our hands can't touch on beat. And we'll, we'll talk through these scriptures and bounce from one scripture to the next and go, and that's why it, and you know what never happens? It never happens where we, we're jumping from scripture to scripture like that in a legalistic way and what we wind up at is something that's gonna ask something of me. What we always wind up with is something that's pointing at someone else being in the wrong and me being in the right. When we abandon legalism, we're abandoning something that's very, very difficult to explain, but very easy to live. But we go to love, love is very easy to explain. Love, the most complicated thing Jesus ever said about it was love your neighbor as yourself. Love each other like I have loved you. We don't have to skip from one passage to the next to, to love each other. We don't have to abandon, like we don't have to say, well, if, if you just hear me out, we take the first part of what Jesus said here and keep that in mind and we go over here. We do not have to do any of that. It's very easy to explain, but very difficult to do. When Jesus calls us, when God calls us to not murder, to value life, and then Jesus interprets that to mean the relationships you have in this world, the way you connect with each other and interact with each other, whether legally or just in, in the, the way you function as a community, that matters to the kingdom of God.
It's not just about murdering, it's about anger. And my goodness, it's so funny that men have just said anger is not an emotion. We've just labeled it as that. That way, because if, if anger was an emotion, we would, be the emo- we would be the emotional species. This, like, rage we have at the world. Do you think Jesus walked around like that? And look how they're, but this is, and I just want to, and I, you know what, did you see what they said? This peace we find in Jesus, this call to love, is not an angry disposition. Well, Jesus flipped tables. Yeah, yeah he did. Yes, he did. That's right. Men have been using that, well, we've been using that sort of logic to yell at drivers and referees for way too long. Let's just assume you are not a righteous person. Let's just assume your motives aren't pure. Let's assume that Jesus sees things a little more clearly than we do and our attempts to braid whips aren't necessarily as pure as his. Let's assume though also that when Jesus actually spoke to us about anger, he was saying, let's get rid of it and settle it. That the way you speak to your brother or sister, the way you interact with your brother or sister, that that matters for the kingdom. We've got to give up this self-righteous anger. Notice it's not righteous anger. It's self-righteous. Let it go, Elsa. And, hear me out, go have a difficult conversation. You've probably had those, haven't you? Are they ever really as difficult as you thought they were going to be? They are at times. But a lot of times what happens is you see someone else for for what they did and you see yourself and your intentions. And once you hear their story, I don't like them, but once you hear their story, you realize, man, they've come so far. Once you hear about their life and their worries and their anxieties and you start to realize that, oh my goodness, I've been dealing with a human that is beloved by God. Jesus' goal is for us to be the kingdom of God to this world. 
and small, little, and maybe even big disagreements and difficulties can sometimes hold us back. Our anger with our brother, our anger with our sister can keep us. And this isn't just keep, keep us from being what we need to be to the world. And this isn't just our anger with the world, which that's, I mean, the world's gonna be the world. Should have known that going in. But it's our, with each other. Where we go into the world and we are just as much bickering and frustrated and angry with each other and holding grudges like children. That the call Jesus is asking of us is to grow up. To have grown-up conversations and to listen in ways. I want to stop there and take a hard right turn. So I understand that it's a hard right turn. There's no good way to just transition into this. Churches have used verses like this to frankly condone and perpetuate abuse. And that's not what I'm calling for here where victims have come to leaderships in churches and they've said, this person's doing this to me. My husband's doing this to me. This youth minister, this preacher's doing this to me. And they will pull out scripture and say, the Bible says that if you have a disagreement with them, and they tell victims to hash it out with their abusers. That is not this. That is sin. It is protecting power structures. It is not okay. And as I preach this, I did not want you to hear what rings in so in, it, one is too many, but it's more than one pulpits in this country. There's this idea that, that like if you, if you just, if, you, if they hurt you, you have to go to them. That is foolish. And the church often, and this has happened over and over again, the church often then makes the victim feel like the sinner and the sinner feel like the victim. As a church, we fully condemn that. That is, that is not what this is. This is when you just frankly don't like that person because of who they, what they've said to you, how they've treated you, like, and just like these small interactions. I get it. Those, those things, I can be that. I can be that person who says something dumb. 
I've walked away from situations thinking, oh, uh, they're not going to like me after that. I don't know. A lot of times you have to go back to them and say, hey, I am, I am very sorry. I, I put my foot in my mouth. I, I shouldn't have said that. That was unkind. It was unthoughtful predominantly. I'm like, I didn't, I didn't even think anything of it. then you heal that. It's our anger toward our brother and sister. But if someone is abusing you, they are not your brother or sister. They need to be called out. Right? There's no, there's no good transition for this point, but it's just too important not to let, let stand or have be said. We are, and this is this call to do not murder, this call to not be angry with our brother or sister, is a call to value the relationships we have with our brothers and sisters within the kingdom of God. And we are called to, to honor those enough that our relationships count as worship. That the, that the words we say about people we will be held accountable. Because the way we interact with the world around us, the way we interact with each other as we interact with the world around us matters to God. So yeah, do not murder. That legality I can handle. But what Jesus calls me to, I'm going to be working on for the rest of my life. And I, I intend to work on it with you guys. Together.